the reading of God's word. First Peter one twenty two through two three. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have a sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring word of God. For, and Peter quotes here, all people are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of our Lord endures forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Indeed. Please be seated. I want you to know I'm not a one-trick pony. Uh, The last time I spoke to you, it was about love. (laughs) So, again, in God's sovereignty, um, I'm going to speak to you about love. Let's do a little bit of a review. Peter is the disciple who struggled with so many things, with a mouth that couldn't shut up at inappropriate times, with an ego that even rebuked Jesus Christ. (laughs) No, Lord, don't wash my feet. With truthfulness, deceiving others at the last while his Lord was going to his death. Not a high recommendation, right, for an apostle. (laughs) Praise God. He can use all of us. So Peter is the one writing this. And I want to review with you who he's writing to. He's writing to Gentiles across Asia Minor that we think of as Turkey today. And they had begun to experience the tip of the iceberg in persecution. The persecution that would come after would be unbelievable in its severity and its depth. So I want to review a little bit even from last week. I've called this obedience to the truth and loving deeply, not a very catchy sermon title. But he starts out in this chapter earlier, in fact, we heard it last week, a call to holiness. 
but he calls us to this holiness through truth. And he calls this the word of truth. So from 1 Peter 13, verse 1, 13 through 16, so just before this chapter, this passage. Therefore, with minds that are full, alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance, but just as he who called you is holy, be holy in all that you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Holiness. A reminder of what holiness is. It's set apart. It's set apart for a purpose. It is set apart, we are set apart for a purpose for Christ. But holiness is a huge bar. God's holiness is far and above your and my pitiful attempts at holiness. But Peter immediately changes, and he reminds us shortly after that, that we can only be holy through our redemption. Our redemption purchased at a price. So look with me, if you can, at verses 18 and 19. For you know, it was not with perishable things such as silver and gold that you were redeemed. And I love this next phrase. I have it bold in my notes. From the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. Empty way of life. Imagine that empty way of life. Imagine trying to appease the gods with noisy worship. Imagine trying to appease them in so many ways. And imagine that the gods, small g, were capricious um, superhumans. They were not really the God that, that we worship. They were weak, vacillating, immoral, deceitful. And you're trying to pre please them. That was the empty way of life. But then he says, remember, you've been redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Holiness comes only through your redemption. Holy living can come only as the precious blood of Christ redeems your soul. So with that bit of review, the next part I see is really personal purification. In verse 15, he says, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. The assumption there is now you have purified yourself by obedience to the truth. Personal purification. What does that mean? Well, again, purifying myself is an oxymoron. 
I cannot purify myself. I cannot reach in and scrub my heart clean. I cannot do enough good to push out my basic sin nature. What is holiness? Jesus reminded that true holiness is this. It is to love the Lord our God with our heart, soul, our strength, and our mind. With my heart, the center of my will, I love him. I serve him. With my soul, that's my spiritual being, I am dedicated to him. With my strength, I give everything I can do for him. And with my mind, I move my mind to him. Loving deeply. You don't have to raise your hand, but how many of you have children? (laughs) You can. A number of us have children here. Imagine the love for your child. The love for your child that you spent many, many years with raising them. Now, how many of you have grandkids? And I know a few of you probably have great grandkids, right? I just spent the night last night with two of mine. And um, wow, that's an entirely different feeling. It's a, a deep, almost um, primal instinct of love for those children that are flesh of my flesh, right? They are part of me. So loving deeply. Well, Peter says in this passage, he says, In verse 22, now that you have purified yourself by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. So hear that, so that, right? That is an enabling phrase. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that now you are capable. That purification that the gospel of truth has performed in you now makes you capable of loving deeply. Brothers and sisters, deep love for each other is a mark of holiness. We don't think of that very often. We don't think that I must love my brothers and sisters in Christ And that is an example, that is an outpouring, that is a fruit of the holiness that is in my life. What is love deeply? Well, we've talked about kids and grandkids. What does love deeply mean? Is it fondness? I I like Ross, right? Is it a fondness? Oh, Love deeply seems like a lot more than that. It is, is it, 
I accept you as you are? Well, yes, but that's not all. What does he mean by love deeply? Notice that he uses the word sincere. Unfortunately, we've kind of watered down the meaning of the word sincere. Sincere turns out to mean sometimes, well, he means well. He's sincere. Maybe poorly mistaken, but he's sincere. That is not the original meaning of this word. It is, in its deepest sense, it is a pure lack of hypocrisy. It means acting the way you are inside. Hypocrisy is acting the way you are not. It's showing something that you are not. Sincerity means acting as a pure, transparent window to what you are. He takes it even a step further. Our love must be deep and intense. He uses a word that was applied to Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. When Jesus was preparing to suffer for you and me, and when Jesus was sweating drops of blood. I love you all, but I have never sweat drops of blood over you. This is a deep, abiding love. We are so divided today, not only in our country, but we are divided in so many ways. There's ethnicities, there's politics, there's economic division, there's even geographical division. West Slope, Best Slope, right? They ain't going to get our water. Divisions and tribalism abide. And they drive us deep in division to each other. Can you imagine in the church of that day that there might have been divisions? There were probably some Jewish believers in that church. There were probably some Gentile believers. What did the Jews call the Gentiles? Dogs. And for the Jewish believers, even associating with Gentiles, being as close as we are was a problem. It would make them unclean. There were, I'm sure, socio-divisions. And there were probably the Gentiles that said, well, you know, I still go to the temple every other week. You know, that's where it's kind of social. And then I bet there were those Gentiles that said, I can never go even that close to that temple ever again. Can you imagine the strife that could arrive? arise. However, these believers had something we have not experienced. When the secret police are on your tail, 
And when they're trying to break down your, your doors, when the Roman guards are coming for you to drag you to the Colosseum, it tends to sharpen the focus. I can imagine that all those divisions, real as they were, became so very unimportant. In fact, they probably faded into the rearview mirror. Regardless of anything that can divide us, this love must grow deep. Do you want that kind of love? I do. So how does that happen? Every time I see a four in the Scripture, I'm always taught to look what it's there for. So he says, for you have been born again. The four explains how. How can this happen? This is the catalyst. This is the actor upon us. You have been born again. What happened? That's what happened. Through this, you've been born again, and through your being born again is how this love is accomplished. Let's think about Peter for a second. Do you remember Jesus said after the resurrection, he came to Peter and he said, hey, Peter, do you love me? And you can imagine that kind of, uh, yes, Lord, I do love you. And Jesus immediately described to him the action that should flow out of him in response to that. Feed my sheep. And Jesus does not let it lay there. He says again, hey, Peter, do you love me? And, and can you imagine the heartache? And so Peter says, yes, Lord, I, I love you. And Jesus says, feed my sheep. So one more time, Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? And this time, you know, Peter's never slow to you know, chew out the Lord. And he says, Lord, you, come on, you know all things. You know that I love you. And Jesus says, feed my lambs. Our love for Christ flows out into this. So how do we accomplish this? Well, he says, it is through the Word of God. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring Word of God. That word seed is very interesting there. You have all been born of perishable seed. It is the will of a husband. It is the nature of creating babies. If I need to go further than that, maybe we'll have this discussion later. But he compares our birth in Christ to an imperishable seed. We are not born of perishable man. 
We are born of an imperishable seed. Through the living and enduring Word of God. This Word of God is good news. That is exactly the way our new birth happened, and it is the enablement of our holiness. Isaiah 40, I just love this passage. It tells you of the good news foretelling the gospel that was coming. You who bring good news to Zion, go up on a high mountain. You who bring good news to Jerusalem, lift up your voice with a shout. Lift it up. Do not be afraid. Say to the towns of Judah, this here is your God. See, the sovereign Lord comes with power and he rules with a mighty arm. See, his reward is with him and his recompense accompanies him. Power and glory, right? Shock and awe. But the next verse says, he tends his flock like a shepherd. He carries the lambs in his arm. He gathers the lambs in his arms and he carries them close to his heart. He gently leads those who have young. The Word of God, the Word, is living and enduring forever. How can mere words be living? How can words endure forever? I've got a lot of words on my bookshelf that don't endure forever. In fact, they hardly last for a few years, much less forever. How can the Word be living and enduring. John 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. Through Him all things have been made. Without Him nothing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And the life That life was the light of all mankind. That light shines in darkness, and darkness has not overcome it. The Word of God is God Himself. Jesus Christ lives and endures forever. His words have eternal and life-saving power. So let's review. We've reminded ourselves that we're born through the gospel so that we can love deeply. And now in, in chapter 2, he uses some interesting words. Crave and grow. When my kids were young, we raised bum lambs. So bum lambs, or bummy lambs, I don't know how they got that name, they are orphaned lambs. And they, you raise them by bringing bottles out there. And we generally had um, Coca-Cola or Pepsi bottles that you put a little rubber nipple on, and you would take them out there. And these lambs, when I think of the word crave, I think of that. They just can't get enough. In fact, if you didn't put the nipple on hard enough, they would suck on it so hard it would come off and milk would go everywhere. When they nurse their mothers in the field, 
they pound her udder so hard they can lift her off the ground in the back. Crave. That is craving. If you've ever seen a baby breastfeed, they can hardly breathe they're eating so fast. We are to crave the pure milk of the Word of God. From the message, I love this paraphrase. You've had a taste of God. Now, like infants at the breast, drink deep of God's pure kindness. Then you'll grow up mature and whole in God like infants at the breast. You know, it's interesting, in Paul's writings, at one point he says, you know, you've had milk, now move on to meat. That is not the same way that Peter is talking about this here. He is speaking of craving milk, the pure milk of the word, in every sense of its fullness, not just the simplest parts of the word. He compares this to a craving. Craving. Another aspect of craving is that I might crave something above all else. Um, My son is always planning his next meal. After we finish the first one, he's planning the next one. I see that as an example of everything else, a solid A solitary focus, craving, drives us to focus our intent, focus our mind. So we should crave God's Word. There's a a hint of another quote here. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. From the Psalms, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. This craving of God's word, of the word, of the word of Jesus Christ will drive out all else. Peter says some really amazing things about these believers. He really says that they've already done this. The way this is written, he says... Now that you've rid themselves. Ridding means to make space and free up for something else. And what, it, what, it, what we're seeing here is that this craving of the word will naturally drive out everything else. I want you to notice the sins that are listed here. The list, malice, deceit, envy, and slander hypocrisy. Notice they all have an element of bending the truth, if not outright breaking the truth. Malice is evil intent. Malicious. Deceit is deceiving by misrepresenting the truth. I may present to you something that is not entirely true. Followed closely by hypocrisy. We've already discussed hypocrisy is acting what you are not. 
Envy and slander. Why are those two together? Some commentators noted that envy can lead to a desire to cut down or destroy, and therefore envy and slander are paired together. I envy what you have, therefore I will make false statements about you to hurt your reputation. Slander is false statements. All of these have something to do with that, with driving out deceit and hypocrisy. See here that God wants our love to be transparent and pure. He wants us to love each other such that we would lay down our lives. And you can imagine that these Christians had to, at times, lay down their lives for each other. Can you imagine the torture? Tell us who meets with you. I know that Steve Slaughter meets with you. All you have to do is turn him in. Loving purely and transparently and without deceit. Now we'll do a little walk. Holiness comes through what? Comes through the word of truth. That holiness results in the actions of the word in our life results in personal purification. That personal purification manifests, it shows up in deep and abiding love for each other. But this love is only born through that imperishable seed, through the living and eternal gospel. And we must crave that word. That will enable growth in our salvation. That will enable maturity. That will enable us to grow. Let's pray.